Hello and a big welcome to the Elevate Her podcast. My name is Selena. And I'm Maika. And we're here to discuss common barriers women face in our society. And provide you with top tips and information from high achieving women from all kinds of fields to empower and inspire you to achieve your full potential and elevate your life. Hi everyone. Did you know that money was named after a woman? In today's episode, we're joined for the first time by two guests, the two sisters, Alexia and Margot de Breuil. Margot and Alexia live on opposite sides of the world, Melbourne and London, but both noticed the same phenomenon, a great disparity in financial education and confidence between men and women. That is when they both founded Juno, a financial empowerment platform aimed at providing everyone who identifies as a woman with the best education on topics such as how to pay taxes, handle student debt, or how to invest into the stock market. This episode is part one, which is aimed at understanding how to translate an idea into a business and why financial literacy is so important. So without further ado, sit back and enjoy this episode. Alexa and Margot, welcome to the podcast. It's so great to have you here. So maybe to start with, if you can tell us a little bit more about yourself. Thank you so much for inviting us on this podcast. I'm really excited to be here. I am Alexia and I'm one of the co-founders of Juno. Margot is my younger sister by a little bit, by about a year. And yeah, I'll let Margot introduce herself and then we can maybe talk a little bit more about our backgrounds. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having us. So you might notice the, the difference in accents. So Alexia and me are sisters, but she lives in Australia uh, and I live in the UK. So we do tend to sound quite different. And yeah, she mentioned we are together co-founders of Juno. So it is a family affair and I'm, I'm the one who's based, based in Europe. And we're pretty much a 24-hour operation because Alexia is still based in Melbourne. So, so that poses all sorts of different challenges. But that's, yeah, that's <laughs> amazing. Thank you. So you say that you founded Juno. So first of all, what is Juno and how did you come to to found Juno? So what's the background to the story? Juno is a financial education and community app for women, which sounds quite dry if you put it that way. But um, the aim of it is to provide accessible and engaging financial education to all women. And it kind of arised during the pandemic I studied finance, um, corporate finance, not personal finance, so it's quite different. And I was realizing during the pandemic when investing became such a hot topic um, and everyone started talking about it, that a lot of my male friends were incredibly, how to put it in a way that's not rude, <laughs> a little bit cocky sometimes about the returns that they can make on the share market and how amazing they are with cryptocurrencies and finding the next big thing. And you know, shamelessly talking about it all the time. And then some of my female friends just always held back in those conversations. And it seemed as though when you hear the word money or finance or investing, there was immediately this wall that came up of this is not for me and I don't know what I'm talking about here. And so we started digging a bit deeper and realizing that financial literacy rates are incredibly imbalanced between men and women. And that's the case in almost every country in the world and that we can see that women have a lot less confidence when it comes to finance. It's not just a lack of knowledge, but it's also a lack of confidence. So this is when we started thinking, okay, so if you're a woman and 
you don't know anything about finance and about money, how can you inform yourself? How can you educate yourself? And we thought that the resources that existed nowadays just weren't good enough. It was a bit frustrating, I think, to see that there's other areas like learning a new language that had been so heavily researched and so heavily innovated. And you had all these apps like Duolingo that made the language learning process incredibly easy and fun and engaging for users. But then the one area that you know, everyone needs to be able to know about, which is the area of finance and money. There was absolutely nothing. You have to look at blog posts or look at YouTube videos, read articles, and realistically, lots of people don't do that. So this is when Margot and I kind of started drafting the, the business plan for Juno. And yeah, I'll let Margot maybe explain a bit more what Juno is in a bit more detail. Yeah, I think what I'll, what I'll add on top of that is I think when I, when I grew up, something that I constantly heard was about the gender pay gap. And it felt like, you know, this big issue that we were trying to solve and that was still still a huge problem. Um, and, and there were mentorship schemes and all sorts of different, different projects to try to reduce that gender pay gap. But actually, the gender pay gap is really just the tip of the iceberg of the difference in what women earn compared to men. Because there's a much wider difference when it comes to what women own compared to men. And this is even worse for Black women who own so much less. There's a problem of intersectionality in there as well. So it's, it's, a, it's a really wide issue that gets spoken about a lot less than the difference in salary. And the difference in the gender wealth gap is hugely due to things like investing in the stock market, access to credit, financial literacy. And we just felt like these things weren't weren't being talked about enough and that there was so much shame and such a big such a big taboo when it came to money um, that that we just felt like almost like rage and, and really a strong passion that that um, that we were being held back by by a legacy of these these beliefs that made us think that we weren't good enough to be investing when the reality of it is it, it's so straightforward it's actually super easy so so I think it's a, that deep sense of passion that got us started with Juno and in terms of what we're building at the moment um, at, we're, we haven't launched yet but we're aiming to launch in about September uh, and the first version is going to be an app so just like like I mentioned Duolingo you'd have an app that is both education and community where you have modules on everything from yeah, investing in the stock market, understanding your student debt, buying your first home, uh, managing your money in relationships, paying your taxes, all these types of things that are made actually engaging and interactive and, and fun to learn rather than these dry books that were written in the 1980s. No, I mean, I love that. I think it's such a great idea. And I will definitely enroll in September. So you probably see my name there. Like, you know, I'm educated in many ways, but financially, I'm like a baby. So honestly, like, well done. Fully uh, agree. It's, it's amazing work. I just wanted to say that. So well done. On Juno website, I saw that you say that it's named after a woman. So Juno is a Roman goddess and her name was Juno Moneta. And the word money actually comes from her last name, Moneta. So money was named after a woman. Incredible. But she was the protectress of funds and um, money was coined in her temple. And um, she was the protectress of women, but also of money. And so we thought so long and hard for the name for this for this app. And we had some, some horrible names on spreadsheets. When I look back at them, they are cringy we had things like capital for example because it's l in capital but it's just bad then we had um 
Womani, because it's woman and money together, just just that good. And then um, and then we started looking into some actual stories and some storytelling, and this is when Juno came up. I love that. I like, yeah, I really yeah. like the story behind it. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for sharing. I feel like at uni, like you don't have extra courses, you know, like if you're not doing like businesses or like financial studies, you don't have like extra courses about that. Like even an EPO, I mean, I've never heard of that. Maybe it exists now, but I'm not aware of it. So it's so good that you're doing. Yeah. And, and I think it's it's highlighting a, a real a real question. Why is money play such an important role in our lives? And especially for women, money is a source of power, is a source of freedom, is a source of being able to make all the decisions that you want to make in your life. And most of our lives revolve around work so that we earn more money. And yet we don't spend the few hours it takes to actually think about how we're managing that money. And, it, and it's so it's so infuriating and it's so wild to think about how we've come this far and how we're willing to literally kill ourselves at our job, but not put in the couple of hours of work to understand um, how we can optimize our money. And, and the reality is, I think up until now, the financial industry hasn't had the incentives to really support people in understanding and being able to make decisions for themselves because they earn a huge profit on being able to, you know, have a brokerage fee and and so that you pay them to do a really simple transaction. And they know it's really simple, but actually, if you don't understand it, then, you know, they're still going to be able to pay your huge fee so that they do it for you. And I think that's something that's really important for Alexa and me is that we're really wanting to fill in a gap in, in, the, in the area of education and never actually selling a financial product. Because at the moment, what we're seeing is that there are you know, Barclays or other banks that are teaching you about, about finances, but obviously they have their own agenda in there. And so, and so you might wonder how, how unbiased that kind of information can be. So, so I think, you know, that quote, like give a, give a man a fish and you'll feed him for a day, teach a man how to fish and you'll feed him for a lifetime. That's really the ethos that we're doing at Juno. And I think as well, just bouncing off that, it's a really interesting time that we live in at the moment in the sense that women are becoming increasingly wealthy and they are finally, not quite, but oftentimes being paid similar salaries to men. We can see that there's more and more wealth shifting into women's hands and not just into women's, but into consumers' hands. What's interesting is to see that this happens at the same time as this movement where we are all a lot more responsible for our financial situations and we are the ones that have to make those decisions on an everyday basis. It's easier than ever to invest in the stock market. You've got hundreds of apps that allow you to do that and you can just do it with a touch of a finger. You can take out credit online so easily. You can get yourself into really messy financial situations incredibly easily nowadays. And so whilst there is all this wealth going into women's hands, and all this possibility of actually increasing that wealth, but also losing it all, there's not this bridge in between, the educational bridge. And as you mentioned before, Selena, it's, it's, we don't learn about finance, nowhere. We don't learn about it in school. We don't learn it about it in university. Some of us are incredibly lucky because our parents may be teaching us how to manage our finances. But even I studied corporate finance at university, and I still, still didn't know much about personal finance. So who's meant to teach you how to do all of these? It's, it's so confusing for users nowadays. And I think what we're seeing from that at the moment is 
this euphoria for things like cryptocurrencies and choices that are actually very risky and maybe even irresponsible. For example, the Dogecoin thing, where somebody, a cousin, a brother told you, oh, this thing is going to the moon and the price is increasing. Great. I'm going to put my emergency fund in it. And you have to base yourself all, all of these like little leads of information, trusting that you know your cousin has the right source of information. Often he doesn't. And so we've seen a lot of people during during the pandemic. And at the moment, the, climb, the, the market has been climbing a lot over the last year. So even if you haven't made the wisest investment choices and those types of things, you're likely to not have got your, gotten yourself in too tricky of a situation. But, you know, a recession is coming at some point. And I think then we'll really see the results and the consequences of people not knowing and not having a clear strategy with what they're doing with their money. And I, and I think the consequences of that could be could be pretty bad. So interesting. And what I love as well is the way you guys talk. You can really see how passionate you are about this. <laughs> and that's really amazing. I just wanted to go back into like your personal like story with money. Like, did you struggle personally with it? I'm, I'm, I'm happy to jump in there first. I think both Alexia and me have had the chance and the privilege from coming from a background of parents that could support us. They could send us to university. So we are, we often acknowledge that as well through, through building Juno is that we're really wanting this platform not only to serve those who come from, from backgrounds that have um, more resources, but actually really how can we make it as inclusive and as accessible for for anyone who identifies as female. I think for me personally, it was the kind of thing where, you know, during during my student time, I would I would receive my my student allowance and it would be the thing that would come into my account. I would spend a lot of money the first few weeks and then slowly realize that I'm spending way too much and then getting to the end and spending a couple of weeks really struggling to to pay for my things and 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 I was I was running another business before doing Juno and even there, my like my cash flow management, all these types of things were really the things that I just put on the side as much as possible. So it was it was the approach of doing the bare minimum and then sticking my head in the sand and just hoping, hoping everything solves itself. And and that has definitely changed over over the last year and a half. But I think that that is a an approach that a lot of young people take. We don't realize the difference it can make throughout our lives, how these early decisions have such a large impact. One of the examples that I, I love to say is the negotiating a raise and negotiating a salary increase. If you can do that for the first job that you have, that will compound all the way throughout your life because every salary after that will build on top of that first salary. But no one tells you when you're about to enter your first job how to negotiate that first raise. And so the tra trajectory that you can have if you if you start really thinking about money early, um, that's really a life-changing amount of wealth. Um, so, yeah, I think I've definitely, I think Juno came uh, because I needed it for myself just as much as anyone else. Um, so I think that's my side of the story. Very nice. Thank you. Did you want to add something, Alexia? I think I'd add to that that now that we're doing Juno, it's, it's funny because we're struggling with a whole different affair, which is to be responsible for your own income. And so at the moment, obviously, we're not taking an income and that has been definitely a new challenge. Looking at where every cent is going and trying to budget everything is, as, as tightly as possible has been a, a learning experience. We've been incredibly lucky because we were able to raise capital pretty early on. So that's really helped. 
But yeah, having that backing and that support definitely helps. And just being able to employ a team as well full time makes it feel, yeah, makes it feel like other people believe in this too and, and, and we're on the right track. Amazing. So that, that brings me actually to my next question. So what would be your main advice to give how to build up a business and also how to get visibility? I think finding something that you're incredibly passionate about is is the first the first step. And then very quickly starting to speak to people about it and seeing if you can provide some sort of value for people. So Alexia came up with the idea and I'm sure she'll tell you more about, about that process. But once we kind of decided or, or, or thought that it might be worthwhile pursuing this, we started just interviewing as many of our friends as possible on their relationship with money, how, go, how they go about solving that problem for themselves. And then, and then we kind of thought, how can we, how can we add value as fast as possible here? So we started doing a 12 weeks course per email that we were writing ourselves um, and we were sending out for free to just, it was about 400 people that were receiving that. And I think that really allowed us to understand and, and, and see where, where the need was, if this was just an idea in our head that actually no one would be interested in, or if it, if it really resonated. I would also say that nowadays with social media, it's, it's so easy to build an Instagram account and, and just to start posting and start immersing yourself in, in the bubble of, of whatever business you're building. So if you want to be a baker or a designer, you can very quickly find those little ecosystems on social media. And, and, and I found that to be incredibly valuable. Awesome. Yeah, that's great to hear. Marco mentioned the, the process of me coming up with the idea. It was, it was funny because I'm the type of person that always knew that I wanted to do my own business, but I didn't know exactly what it was. And I can see that in a lot of my friends as well. So it's probably going to be something that some of the listeners of this podcast also identify with is this, this desire to be an entrepreneur, to have your own, your own gig, but not knowing exactly where to start or what to do. And so I had this notebook and I just used to write down all the ideas that crossed my mind. And I honestly had some terrible ideas in there, but I just wrote them down anyways. And then the last one she called me with was, I'm going to do 3D printed shoes where you can like 3D different heels on them and have like a selection of heels for your shoes. Like this is not the one I'm like. I still think that idea has potential because by 3D printing shoes, you could make them unique for each foot and so therefore reduce waste. Anyways, there was definitely some thought that went into that. And so I used to write the ideas down and then some ideas would stick with me for a little bit longer. I would just think about them for a couple of weeks. I was like, yeah, this is actually quite good. For example, the shoes. And the first thing I do is obviously do research. And so I am an expert into lots of random topics. For example, one time I thought maybe we could do the equivalent of Spotify, but for 3D printed models of anything. So you'd have a subscription and you'd be able to access lots of different models of like stuff that you can print in 3D. You can see I, I really like 3D printing, obviously. But then you start looking into it, doing lots of research. And I think this process already probably will eliminate about 99.9% of your ideas because you realize that there is either lots of competitors out there doing it already or that there's just no need for it. And then eventually, Juno, the idea of this financial education platform for women, that was just in my head for so long and I just couldn't get it out. I thought, look, this is really, there just isn't anything like it. And I know I would use it. I know Margot would use it. And I would say, you know, you read this in most business books, don't come up with a solution, come find the problem that you want to solve. And then by exploring that problem, you will find a solution. 
but don't be emotionally attached to the solution that you had found because it might not be the right one. And I think a lot of people find a solution for a problem and they have already put so much energy and thought into it that they really want to create this product or this platform. And this is when I think a lot of effort can go to waste because you might create something, people don't want to use it. It's not perfect. So I think keep in mind the problem that you're trying to solve and make that your mission, not the product, not the platform, and accept if things change. And then I would say try and raise capital as early as possible. I know this might sound a bit crazy, but so many female founders especially think that raising capital is this impossible mission and that they don't have what it takes and that it's such a far removed goal, impossible to attain. But the problem is without money, realistically, you either need to support yourself or you need to grow the business. And so money is going to have to come in somewhere. And I think go out there, try to raise capital, even if it's just a little bit, even if it's doing crowdfunding with your friends and raising, you know, $1,000, $2,000, whatever it is that you can raise, try and get that because it will be beneficial in two ways. First of all, you'll see if you're able to raise capital, that means you're clearly solving a problem that people can identify with. So you're on the right track. And also, of course, if you can raise capital, that means you've got money to keep going. So um, you should start it earlier than you think. I'm just thinking, June, we, we raised on a PowerPoint. So there was no product, there was no customers, there was no nothing, no growth. It was just an idea business plan on a PowerPoint. You don't need anything big to start the process of raising. I love that. So that's like really, really good tips. Actually, I think it's like one of the best tips I've ever heard. So yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> that's uh, that's really great. Alexa, you mentioned you've always wanted, I mean, you've always had like like entrepreneurial mindset. And I know, Margot, you founded your like first business, right? When you were like an undergrad. Yeah, absolutely. So I was never the one in the family that wanted to be an entrepreneur. And uh, during my undergraduate, after my second year, I took a year out and I moved to South Africa. Like on the second day, my Airbnb host dragged me to an event called Secret Sunrise in the morning. And it was one of the most beautiful experiences I ever had. The event was just exceptional. And, and, I, and I just fell in love with the concept. And so when I went back to London, I thought, I have to bring this here. This has to work. This is such a way of bringing people together, of making them feel joy and just experience something else that I, it was very accidental. I didn't think it was going to be a business. So it works with silent disco headphones and you facilitate it. And it's this whole journey um, that you take people on at sunrise. And so I just ordered a bunch of headphones and it was like, I'm going to give this a go before my university starts again. And within six months, I was doing it with huge businesses and I was doing it in, um, as a team building experience. So at that point, I was 19. I would walk into the offices at 7 a.m. I was wearing my little colorful leggings. I would have these two massive suitcases with my headphones in them. I would set up and then I remember sometimes I did it with companies like Google or Deloitte or NatWest. There would be these groups, often quite senior mainly men in their 60s, often wearing suits, come in, look at me and being like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and then I would get them to put the headphones on and it was mind blowing. It was, I'm still in love with the concept because I haven't had once a person not do it. And, and every single time, I think in every group of 50 people, I had at least 10 men crying by the end. It was like this huge release of emotions and of joy. And it was it was pretty incredible, very different to what I'm doing now. But I, I, so I had a team of 14 people doing it with me in, in, in London and, and who were instructing for my groups. And then 
obviously COVID happened. And so in-person events had to be put on hold. So yeah, I think that chapter feels like it's pretty much closed for me now because it, it was wonderful for one side of myself, but I'm also very interested in, yeah, I have an economics background and, and these kind of topics are, are more part of my, my DNA, I would say. But it was, a, it was a fun adventure while it lasted. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I think one thing it definitely taught me is that, you know, everything is possible. You can just choose the weirdest possible idea. And, and I was living off a silent disco business at sunrise. So like, if, if that's possible, then you can do pretty much anything. <laughs> Margot makes fun of me for my 3D printed shoes, but you can imagine my face when she calls me and she's like, I'm going to start a business. I was like, okay, awesome. What are you starting? She's like, I started discos. <laughs> <laughs> No, I love this. So you both work together as, as siblings. Is is this an issue or is this always worked well so far? I think Margot and I are super lucky because we're very close. And so it's been a blessing. It's been incredible. It, it just allows for so much honesty and transparency in the way we work together. Margot knows that when I'm hungry, I can be quite snappy and I might yell at her without meaning it. And she doesn't react because she's my sister and she knows it. And I think it just allows for us to focus on actually building the business and not focus on the interpersonal relationships that you might have to do with colleagues. Yeah, it, it's been it's been amazing. And if you have a sibling, then I would encourage you to <laughs> take them as your business partner. <laughs> That's amazing. very cute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I can't really imagine myself like working with my brothers, but yeah, I guess maybe <laughs> sisters. Like sisterhood is that like a different kind of relationship as well. So. That's really great I kind of hear. relate to the bond like because I have a sister as well and it's so nice because you can always trust and you can always rely on her and yeah you can even be snappy and be like oh she understands <laughs> it's, it's really yeah. special one other thing I would say is that Alexa and me have so much experience in fighting together that it that is that is so valuable because we can we can get super mad at each other and and 10 minutes later we'll call each other back and it's like nothing happened and that that only happens within siblings and and so i think yeah having having a history of of having had some serious fights is is definitely a, a plus in this context one more question that i had was because you guys are quite young i mean probably like i say with my age and then Margo, yeah like when you're younger but have you had like have you faced any barriers being such young like female entrepreneurs it's the kind of thing where where it doesn't tend to be straight in our face because Alexa and me are I think we use it to our advantage where we really are honest about the areas that we don't know anything about and we use our passion and our fresh energy really as our kind of main selling point. So I think we've turned it more into an advantage rather than a disadvantage. I definitely think that raising capital, you know, we, we spoke to quite a few people. There's definitely some people where it was just like, no, you know, you two are too young. You have no idea what you're speaking about. And, and I think that's fine. You'll always have people who don't believe in you and, and what you have to offer. So we've kind of just really tried not to get too hung up on it. I'd like to acknowledge the fact that women typically struggle to raise capital and that the situation that Margot and I have lived and experienced has been quite unique in that sense. And it's definitely been a privilege to be able to raise money this early as well. But I think as well at the moment, we can see that there's this massive movement. And I know it's the case in the UK, but in Australia, it's the same where people are waking up to the fact that women are underfunded. And so there's a lot of 
a lot of VC funds and there's a lot of investors that are trying to find female founders and they're actively seeking them out, trying to speak to them and and really focusing on just representing women and funding women. Really interesting. Thank you for sharing this. So another question I had was, so you said preparing for, to launch Juno, you build up a team around you. So how do you, how did you find the right people to join Juno? What are your criteria or any advice? In terms of the process, it's a lot of hunting on LinkedIn. And I can't begin to imagine what it would have been like to have a company 20 years ago when LinkedIn didn't exist and trying to find employees. It would have been horrible. You would have been completely restricted to your network. But nowadays, you can do some advanced searches on LinkedIn and put in exactly like the past employer that you want and what city, etc. So hours and hours and hours have been spent on LinkedIn just hunting people down, messaging hundreds of people and getting a few responses and then a couple of interviews. I think we're so lucky nowadays that anyone is just to click away and you can, Margot and I have messaged some crazy people thinking we'd never hear back from them and then you hear back from them and they don't know you. It's not like you've got a warm intro. You're just some random off the internet and they get back to you and they're willing to help and it's incredible. So yeah, LinkedIn has been our main hiring tool. And then in terms of the personalities, I think there's a common mistake of hiring people that are similar to you and people often have interviews and they search for similarity because they get along with them better they feel as it gels margaret and i have really tried to stay away from that and hire people that are different to us and so we come out of an interview and sometimes we think she was amazing but she's basically just like us it's it's another one of us and whilst we would get along with her so well she doesn't bring as much diversity of thought into the team and so we're trying to hire people that are very different to us so that our team is complete and that means that there's probably going to be more friction along the way because we won't always agree but that's probably also where good ideas come and we'll manage to create a platform that's inclusive an example of that is i think both margot and i are very big picture thinking and not very detail oriented and so in our future candidates some of them at least we truly try to find detail orientedness so that we have that in our team really interesting thought i've, I've never like clearly thought about this but now that you mentioned it, it makes perfectly sense of course yeah. <laughs> I find it so great that you're aware of it as well you know because so many people they just do it like unconsciously right you just like hire people that are the same as you it's as as you as the same way as you choose your friends right you tend to choose people who are actually like really similar to you because you find it like you know harder to deal with people who are different but actually you learn so much for from people who are like really different like Micah and I we have like we get on really really well but we have like things that we do like so differently. And I've learned so much from Micah and just doing like working with her, but it's, you know, it's it's amazing. And I think it's a challenge for yourself, but yeah, just being aware of it and like acknowledging that you need to like go, you know, beyond your comfort zone and like dealing with people who are like really different to you. I think like that's the best way to go down. I think that's specifically important for Alex and me because we're sisters. And so we are very similar in the way we think. And and one of the biggest blessings actually from the start was Alana who joined us. And Alana is one of my best friends. And she is very different to to both Alexia and me. She is much more detail-oriented. She yeah, she just has a completely different way of looking at things. And actually the 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 value that we got from working the three of us together really was the the, the eye-opener, I think, for Alexia and me to realize that there is so much benefit in having people that work differently within the team and they provide so much value.
So we have a signature question we ask all our guests. What is your favorite word or quote and why? I have one, a little bit cheesy, but I like the, she, did, she didn't know it was impossible, so she did it. Now that's one of my, my, my good ones. I like and that I think one. it goes back to, yeah, it goes back to this idea of actually, I think there's so much that's available to us and, and to our generation. And, and we often don't, don't see the possibilities that are in front of us. And I think like three years ago, I was studying economics. I was about to go for a summer internship in a, you know, in a, um, a consultancy firm, maybe looking at an internship in banking. And I was very much following these kind of steps that had been set out for me in front of me. And, and I think now I'm really, really realizing the amount of opportunities that are outside of that linear path that maybe our parents told us to go to or society tells us is the only way. So a bit of a cheesy one, but there we go. I can see Alexa's eyes just like thinking, thinking, thinking. The only one I know is the one that Margaret has just said there. I was like, okay, I've got a tab open saying quotes on Google, trying to find some quote, but I'm like, this is just not me. No, it's okay. It can also be like a word. Yeah. Um, there's a word that I really like, which is a French word, and that can't get translated into English. Um, yeah. It's called se débrouiller. And I don't know, Saina, you know French as well, but se débrouiller is really hard to translate into English. And I think it embodies my life so well. And it just means basically like... I think it's, it's a bit like finding your way through things. And like, it's also like keeping going, even when you're struggling. <laughs> it's 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 sort of like managing with whatever you have it, it's a bit messy débrouiller brouiller is when things are messy and débrouiller is basically unmessening things and I think oh, it's nice. very ingrained in the French culture it's you know you don't know what you're doing and it's a big mess but you kind of just like try and find a way through it and then navigate and yeah I like that word I think it's my life <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us, I mean, tell the listeners where they can find more about you and Juno? I can I can go ahead. You can find us on our website. It's herjuno.com. We're very active on Instagram. It's at yourjuno. And on the website, you can sign up for the waiting list and we'll be launching around September. And you'll receive also really cool little newsletters. So definitely sign up there. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you. So thank you so much for, for today. It was a pleasure yeah. having a chat with you. Thanks. It was lovely to be here. Thank you for having us and thank you for giving us a platform for our voices as well. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Alexia and Margot as much as we did. If you are interested in connecting, learning how to reach your financial potential, or using money to have a positive impact, please check out the links in the show notes. For our next season, Alexia and Margot will be back here to give you specific tailored advice about how to handle money as a woman. And finally, we would really appreciate it if you could rate and subscribe to this podcast, as well as share it around you so that we can reach and empower more people to elevate their lives. Mm-hmm.